Um, Braves, great weekend for the Braves. I did not uh, think you were going to lead with baseball. No, no. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Okay, we're going to go from <laughs> positives to maybe not, but not quite so positive. Auburn played better, I think, than a lot of people expected. But we have seen, we have seen this story before. Same song, another verse. As Auburn gets out to a double-digit lead, cannot hold on. Once again, blanked in the second half and falls to LSU 21 to 17. Two more coaches fired. None in the SEC yet. We've had two Pac-12, two Big Ten. I had that one right. I said last week on the show, Drew. Can we can we refer back to this? I, I asked Barrett if there was a Power Five coach on thinner ice than Brian Harson, and even speculated that it might be Wisconsin's coach after the last few weeks. Paul Christ. After after the way they well the, the loss at home to Washington State was incredibly damaging because they were a double-digit favorite in that game and expected to just roll over a lowly Pac-12 team, and instead they get beat at home, and they haven't looked that much better in conference. So it's not out of the blue, uh, but at the same time, that's a guy who, I mean, look at his win-loss record in conference play over the last seven seasons or whenever he was at Wisconsin. I know he's closer to 9-8 and eight lately, but, I mean, he was... He he won twenty five of his third, first thirty five. Yeah, and a lot and a lot of Wisconsin fans yeah. feel like that's because he had Brett Bielma's it, leftovers, it, and then Bielma beats him, and yeah. you're gone. Yeah, the Bielma loss over the weekend finally uh, finalizing things. And then Carl Durrell, the former UCLA coach. Yeah, now he's the former Colorado coach. Yeah, Carl Durrell was a surprise hire when yeah. uh, Mel Tucker left Colorado to become the new Michigan State coach. Um, by the way, they're looking for the receipt. Uh, on that on that big contract Mel Tucker got after after, after the way Michigan State's been yeah. playing the last couple of weeks, uh, but uh, but Colorado a a team that younger listeners Bill may not realize that there was a time when Colorado Colorado I I remember when when Colorado who was the quarterback they had back in the day so Cordell Cordell yeah Cordell. I mean, yeah. Had, yeah. yeah I mean and, but uh, I, I, yeah I remember before Cordell when when the uh, the Big Eight had the numbers one two and three teams yeah. in the country and it was Oklahoma Nebraska and Colorado yeah I mean and so Colorado is is something of a lowly Power Five program at the moment and they're looking for a new coach after firing Carl Durrell over the weekend but that's I mean is that a place where the right coach could or is or is there? Is, I don't know. Has, has I don't know. Yeah, a long time. Is, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean yeah. that that's not it. It's not like a natural recruiting location. I mean because everybody out west is recruiting the players there, and it's not like they're in a talent rich state. So yeah, I, I don't know. Well regarded campus and city. Oh yeah, I mean, it is. Folks, folks. I mean, there, there's reasons to believe Colorado football shouldn't be you know at the as absolute, bad yeah, abs- at the absolute bottom of the conference where they are. Uh, but they'll be looking for a new coach. Interesting to see what they decide to do. Right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, could, they could go in a variety of different directions. We know it won't be Carl Durrell anymore after he was let go over the uh, over the weekend. They've they've looked terrible. Yeah. So those are those are some of the stories. And again, we welcome your your thoughts as we just uh, are getting things underway here in hour number one of the drive, which is brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and also. The sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome your calls, questions, comments, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show on the drive text box, 334-564-1840. That's 334-564-1840. Big shout out to everybody at the uh, at, at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They sponsor both the drive text box and the podcast, which I'm told... 
Drew, I'll cross our fingers. I'm, I'm told we have a podcast that works. Again, so uh, check uh, the, uh, all your favorite podcasting platforms for The Drive with Bill Cameron uh, or go to RadioAlabama.net and use the uh, ESPN 106.7 Podcast Center to find the podcast that way. All of that presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And uh, let's welcome in our regular third here on Mondays. Not, of course, is Brian Matthews. From AuburnSports.com. Brian, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm just uh, ready to talk a little football. Maybe some Braves baseball. How about that? A sweep yeah, the Mets. sweep the Mets. I got a half hour of Fleetwood Mac ready after, oh. the, uh, after, after that today. I mean, that's good. that was good stuff. Did but, you go back and look at some of those old videos? I just love doing that. No, I'm a big oh, they, did, Well, Stevie Nicks couldn't stop twirling. That yes. Is, is Rumors the best record, Bill? Or do they do better ones? No, oh, no. they own. That's their best album. Oh, well, it's my favorite album of all time, I think. Wow, Ooh, okay. That's how high I, I rate that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite album of all time, but it's, it's, among, it's, it's, yeah. it's among the, uh, the oh, best, I love my it. favorites. Yeah. yeah. I like Chris. You know, the thing is, it's crazy. I mean, Stevie Nicks was the, you know, she, she was, became the face right. there of Fleetwood Mac. Wrote some uh, of the more important songs. She songs, did, but... Yeah. but I always thought Christy McVie. I like Christy McVie's voice yep. better than yep. Stevie's, and she sang some of the some of the huge hits that people don't realize she yeah. sang. Well, I think a lot of people think also think some of the songs that Lindsey Buckingham sings is Christy is, McVie or somebody yeah. else, right? They don't realize it's them singing. Lindsey, Lindsey, yeah, Lindsey had a great voice. They got, and, the, and I promise we'll get to football. The the uh, the guy who uh, when they fired Lindsey Buckingham from the band, they went and got the guy from Crowded House to sing. The Lindsey Buckingham parts because they needed to find the short list yeah. of male, male vocals. And, 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 and I'm not sure. I mean, and they had to get two people because they had to get somebody to play guitar had, as yeah. well. They got the guy from the Heartbreakers yeah. to play guitar. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Lindsey yeah. Buckingham is ridiculously talented. I, right. I would I would encourage you, Brian, go back and find the the album that uh, the Buckingham Knicks album. The one that that's the that's one. the one that led to them being right. Bob Welch left the group, not the former Dodger pitcher. <laughs> Bob Welch left the group. And uh, Lindsey and, and Stevie joined, and that's right. when they became popular. Right. They were an FM type band, really, up until until the addition of uh, Buckingham and Nicks. Well, that's the album that Mick Fleetwood listened to at the studio, and then he went and offered to go out with dinner with them, and that's when they hired him. Yep. So, yeah. Well, Paul, I, I'm sorry we talked too much. That's my talk. fault. Sorry, <laughs> Paul. Yeah, it's I your fault, it Dan. You started yeah. talking Fleetwood Mac, and we talked music, and we lost Paul. Paul, if you get a chance, give us a call back. We'd love to hear from you. Oh. Um, yeah, right so now, that was right part of Brian's just, Monday musings. Yes, that was his was. musical music. I've been waiting on that one. Yeah, right. Right now, Paul's just secondhand news. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that's a rumors, don't stop Paul. Rumors joke for a couple of you. Uh, no, it, it's uh, there's there's a lot to talk about from Saturday night's game. I mean, there really is. I mean, Auburn came out and and played well. Robbie Ashford had some had some real highlights in the game. Yes. Um, I mean, Robbie's still a work in progress. By far, not a finished product by any means. Second career start, but but he showed he showed so much more. the The ability to keep his eyes downfield created some really big plays. Yep. His ability to move around and find receivers and deliver the ball. He makes, as a matter of fact, right now he reminds me of some of those toolsy young. Uh, like baseball middle infielders that'll come up and you'll see them make the spectacular play yeah. and then just botch the routine one yeah. because he struggles more, it appears, with just timing simple, uh, what you would think simple short passes sometimes than he does when he's able to scramble around and find somebody and deliver a perfect pass 40 yards downfield. Yeah, and I think they ran the zone read once where he busted up the middle for, I don't know, 20, 25 yards, whatever it was. 
They need to do that more. Well, right. he, he he needs he needs to the 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 biggest concern with Robbie right now is ball security. Yes, it is. Because he fumbled. How many times did he fumble? A few. It was a lot. I mean, I know he lost a fumble or two, but he fumbled two or three more right. times. Other than that, oh, the and the, and the the most critical one was first and goal at the five. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he fell back on it, but I mean that that was huge. That set Auburn up into that second and goal from just inside the ten for one of the. I can't believe that play call yeah, I know. Uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, Auburn fumbled six times that game. Two right. they lost. I think five of them were him. Auburn has fumbled the ball. Auburn's put the ball on the ground yeah. a ridiculous number of times this year. And I'm not using this as a, a you know, say bad things about right, but that, that's been his issue in fall camp. That's one of the reasons he didn't right. finish yeah. as a starter was ball security. And I just think watching him handle the ball, running, running it and, and handing off and, you know, they not a, a – uh, um, consistent passer. I, I just think he's going to average two or three turnovers a game as Auburn starter. I just, I just don't know that that's going to change. Well, it seems like a high risk, high reward yes, offense. It right does, yes. and that's. I mean, that's. It's the kind of offense that can get you a thirty-five yard completion on third and twenty-five. Yep. It can get you a ten-yard penalty, or it can get you a penalty and a first down yep. when you when you throw it up in the air on fourth and ten. <laughs> yeah. at the, and at you're the really, really fortunate we, when yeah, that happens. We can get. We can. Yeah. If that's what you're planning, if you could play, if you could scheme those. Do you, want, do you want to get to that right now? Because that was actually something people wanted to talk about. The, 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 two fourth, four, the, the fourth downs? The fourth two and fourth, ten and fourth and eleven? Yeah. two fourth down calls. I, uh, it's, like they, they were play, it's like they were behind and playing on the road instead of ahead and playing at home. I it just was, don't understand that. Well, they were. They, they, were, they were ahead the first one. Auburn's up 17 to 14. Yeah. And LSU had not really been able to um, have sustained drives. Exactly. And my thought was, you know, I was really surprised when they called timeout. I, I thought, let the clock run down, take the penalty, punt. It, even if they decline it, punt from the 37. You have one of, if not the best punter in college football, and somebody that not only can kick it 50 yards, yep. but he's great at placing the ball and getting that reverse bounce. Yeah, yes. So I thought, that's what you do. See if you can pin them inside the 10-yard line and then get – Flip the, you know, continue to have the field position. Instead, they, uh, and they don't even throw on either one. They don't throw at the sticks. They don't throw for, you know, 12 yards. Mm-mm. They try to throw it 25 yards downfield and it just goes incomplete. LSU takes over and proceeds to, uh, to go 63 yards for the, uh, Eventual yeah, a f- winning score. A field goal is off the table there. Like, you're oh not, yeah, you're, you're not, not going to try a 54 yard field goal when your kicker has missed a 40 yarder. Right. You're not. You're not attempting field goals from that distance. Maybe in a previous year with Anders Carlson pre-injury, you might have attempted it. But this incarnation of Anders Carlson we've seen the last couple of weeks. That's that's not an option. It's either take the delay and punt, or uh, or at least attempt to take the delay and punt, or run a play on 4th and 10. And I was surprised that Auburn went with the 4th and 10 decision. Maybe a 4th maybe a, a and 5 or a 4th and 4. Right. It's a little bit different. At 4th and 10, I know the analytics say it's almost a coin flip between uh, the, the take and the well, delay. The, but, the, but the, the analytics, analytics maybe, you know. maybe the analytics need to be uh, reconsidered at Auburn, if that's what all this is, has been based on as analytics. Because that apparently, according to the broadcasters, is why Auburn keeps calling timeout at the end of first halves when other teams have the ball. Which all, which a, every yeah. single game has resulted in points for the other team. Yeah, it, it, you know I mean, I guess the analytics are going to go. Odds are in our favor this time. <laughs> it's five yeah. for five. An, an attempt to uh, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to uh. you're not going to flip tails six times in a row. Uh, no, the yeah, the, until you do it, until you do it, and then you wonder. Well, probably not seven. No, the and I you know I actually 
so so yeah, I, I didn't love the the fourth and ten either time. I know they got bailed out by a by a, a penalty mm-hmm. flag on on one of them. On the other one, as you pointed out, Bill, that sparked LSU's best drive of the game, or, or and, one of the, and the one and the and the game winning drive. Yeah, the go the go ahead drive by yeah. LSU came after Auburn failed on on fourth and ten in the second half. The timeouts at the end of the first half, I. I mean, I was surprised I, on because of the way LSU was playing. I was surprised they decided on second and eight to call or, or once the well, first play. I mean, to call the timeout on second and eight, I was a little surprised, and I know it worked because it went from second and eight to third and ten. Right? And they, it they, would have worked had it not been for the uh, hands to the face mask, which was a good call by the officials. You don't always see it, but I mean, it was a pretty obvious, uh, pretty obvious penalty call. I mean. Th- that one actually I understood more than I have against a couple of other teams because you're thinking LSU's not moving the ball. They are not yep. moving the ball. We're going to get the ball back. We're going to stop them. They're not going to be able to pick up the first down, and they didn't until the penalty. And you'd thrown the ball well in the first yeah. half as well. There was a belief Oh, Robbie he, had thrown for 247 yeah. yards. You'd thrown the ball well. There was a belief that Robbie, with the hot hand at the moment, I know there was the interception or the, uh, the fumble, right, had already happened. At that point, the uh, the fumble returned for the touchdown by LSU. They they were just down uh, seven at at that where they were just down. It was seventeen seven. Seventeen seven, and the yeah. seven for LSU was was off right. the, was, off it was the, on the fumble recovery, off, off the fumble touchdown, yeah. which I didn't even see because and I, I think a lot of fans I didn't either because oh, it's so far on the other end of the well, field. No, yeah. no, no, well, no, no, no. I just wasn't ready for I, the. I didn't realize the half had started. Bill, I I think that's one where I said uh oh a couple of no, seconds. I said uh oh, yeah. but I didn't I didn't see oh, the no. ball. No, no, yeah, no. We both saw in slow. I mean, so we had a pretty. good I look. said, "Uh oh," because I saw the guy coming behind. It was Ojolari, wasn't it? We yeah, had, we had a pretty good look at Ojolari chasing. But I, I did not behind. see that the ball came out and the guy was running until I see the official signal touchdown because it's yeah. you know half a mile away. But yeah. it just it was a lot of the same things, right? But I, I I don't think, and I did see. I thought Auburn played their best game of the year, despite all that, right? To me, against a quality opponent. Uh, but I'm afraid that it might be downhill from here because uh, you know you're now losing one of your best defensive players, Ekuliota, yeah. probably for the rest of the season. Yeah, it looked like yeah, it looked like a. Uh, as a matter of fact, somebody somebody in the box said, "Ooh, I had a player that had a torn pec on that same ooh, exact yep. play," and it's like, "Ooh," and then today we find out it is a pec injury. So. Yeah, and you know we talked about it going back to this spring and summer that that edge position was Auburn's thinnest. Maybe yeah. most talented with those two, but thinnest. And you know, Marcus Bragg has been a little bit of a breath of fresh air, in my opinion. Yeah, he. Pl- I, I thought he played pretty well. Auburn pretty still. Player. Auburn got really good pressure against LSU. But a couple a- of the transfers have been pretty pleasant surprises. Yeah. Bragg and Bragg and DJ James. Yeah, sorry, but after know. after the after Bragg and 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 now Derek Hall, of course, there's not much there. No. Uh, they can play Kobe Wooden, which I think they will do against and, Georgia. And he played more. Sense. He played more outside yeah. on Saturday. But that means they got to bring in somebody else. And if you look at at their front seven on defense, they're not playing a lot of guys right now. No, There's you not. saw you saw Marquise Burks and uh, Jeffrey Emba play like about four yeah. or five snaps. Who's in the Who's in the brace? Is that Jason? Uh, Jason, yes, Jones, Jason Jones had the big old brace mm-hmm. on his arm, right? Um, you know, you look at guys like Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, Marcus Harris. Owen, Owen. They're playing so many snaps. They're playing snaps. 70 plus snaps. Yeah. That's not going to last. Yeah. You just can't keep that up. Unsustainable. So I, I just, I, I'm very concerned about what is the strength of this team, the defense. I was uh, hoping. Not being able to hold up. I was hoping that by this point of the season, that in some of these ball games, guys like Marquise Robinson yes. would, would have been able to be in for 15 yes. snaps in a couple of games. That happened. No, we haven't seen nope. it. And you're going to see that start to hurt you. 
in the second half of football right. games. You're going to see that in the fourth quarter because the st- the snap start. I mean, on top of the fact that injuries become more likely, well, right. you're also talking when you ask guys to play that many snaps, yeah. they're going to they're going to fade in the fourth quarter if you can't get them rest. And you're either going to have to play yeah. unproven guys instead, or you're going to have. Uh, exhausted players on the field uh, giving up points in, in crucial moments. And I saw it in the third quarter, hands on hips. Hands on hips in the third quarter. During that touchdown defense. drive. Yeah. During, yeah. during the drive after Auburn. Yeah. Now that, that that's a little concerning because Auburn dominated the time of yeah. possession in the first half. Yeah. I mean, guys, you, you would hope that in the third quarter guys wouldn't be gassed yep. if, if they haven't been on the field, but 30 snaps. So you're looking at a defense who now feels like they've got to win the game in, in many respects because of the way the offense plays. Uh, you look at a lot of guys who feel like um, who are indeed really good players and feel like you know and a lot better than the guys behind them, and then those guys start to get worn down. It's just not a good situation to be in right now. It was specifically in, and we'll take a break. But the, the it was so LSU starts the second half with the ball. They go three and out. Yep. Auburn responds with a three and out. LSU has the ball a little bit longer. They punt. Auburn, I believe that's the first time Auburn goes for the fourth down. They don't get it. Auburn. Auburn's but Auburn, Auburn had had gotten a little bit of field position, though. They'd mm-hmm. moved the ball a little bit and gotten it down inside the 40-yard line. Auburn's defense is on the field for the third time in the third quarter, about midway through the quarter, and that's LSU's touchdown drive right. to uh, to cut it to three. And that's the one where it seemed like exhaustion was starting to mm-hmm. set in for some of these Auburn defenders. And it would make sense when you point out the number of snaps these guys played that from that point until the end of the game, you probably saw Auburn's, you know, between that touchdown drive. They didn't and, give up a whole lot more. You're right. It really was game. just, it was the touchdown and, and then needing. I mean, LSU, I mean, Auburn outgained LSU by 160 yards. I guess yeah, needing needing a stop at the end of the game would be the other time, and and even then you're right. Auburn's offense had been yeah. on the field for for much of the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, tough loss for Auburn. We'd love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to our first break here on the Monday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com. Got Drew at the controls, and we'd love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. Your thoughts on this past weekend. And uh, then then Auburn. Brian, have... Can you ever recall Auburn being nearly 30-point underdogs to Georgia? No, this is just another sign of the state of Auburn's football program, right? I mean... Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, those are, you know, those are Auburn's two biggest rivals, should be their peers in this conference, should be the teams that they're competing against on and off the field 24-7, and there is such a discrepancy right now, and and, and, and Auburn, those two programs, it's just, it's hard to imagine. I mean, I I grew up, or I I came to school here under Pat Dye when... I mean, Auburn will put a beating on those two teams sometimes, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, you expected to win or you expected it to be a good close game. And it's been that way for a long time until really um, the last decade or so. 
And it's been Auburn. You hope well, to win at home, and you hope not to get blown out too much on the road. Since uh, for the right, for the last years? fifteen yeah, years, yeah. it's it's been really one sided yeah, Georgia's way, and they they now still only lead the series by six games. Yeah, but it wasn't that long ago that series was tied, and even the points oh, yeah. was almost even. It's a testament, though, to the strength of the Georgia program right now. Not just not just the the relative weaknesses True. of the Auburn program, because True. even when you think back to the end of Chiswick, right, the twenty eleven. Auburn Georgia game. Granted, that was at Jordan Hare. I believe was was, didn't, was was it eleven and twelve that were, or was it twelve and thirteen that were? At, there were two in a row at, at Jordan Hare during that during that series. Remember. But so so uh, Auburn, uh, Georgia was just a thirteen point favorite in the twenty eleven game, and they were just a sixteen. You mean point underdog? Uh, Georgia was a oh, thirteen okay. point favorite right. okay. in the twenty eleven Auburn Georgia game, and they were just a sixteen point favorite in the twenty twelve. Auburn, Georgia. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's amazing to think that this much, and then having seen Georgia the last couple of weeks struggle too. I mean, uh, that would that would actually worry me if I was an Auburn fan. Oh yes, oh yes. Georgia's got some things to try to prove and get straightened out. They're upset because their offensive line and the run blocking Mm -hmm. and and the rushing wasn't good. That's so that tells you exactly what they're going to do against Auburn. And I know Auburn has a good run defense, but again. When you're playing the same guys over and over again, week after week, and, and you're going into week six, uh, it can be difficult. Eleven was at Georgia. Twelve gotcha. was was in Auburn. Mm-hmm. Both both games, Georgia was about a two point a touchdown favorite. They won both of those games by considerably more than uh, than, than two touchdowns, mm-hmm. as as memory serves. And uh, yeah, Auburn uh, facing a uh, a game where uh, I mean, at the same time though, I mean Georgia Georgia Missouri was competitive for a lot longer. Than, than folks thought. How much of that was uh, just a bad night by a couple of key uh, Georgia figures, and, and and how much of that was you know may, maybe there are some some weaknesses that can be exploited by Georgia opponents uh, this season. We'll we'll see how the uh, we'll see how the game plays out. But you're right, Auburn just opening. Watch. Yeah, Auburn opening with oh boy. Um, <laughs> are you saying it, it could be an execution? I this, mean, uh, I, I'm just going to watch. That's all I'm it saying. It depends on how bad Kirby wants it to be. I think I really do. I mean. And yeah, why? And why? Why? Why would he care if it's not? It's not like oh, if they keep it within four touchdowns, that it's not likely Auburn will make a change at coach. So you know he might as well put sixty up if he can. Yeah. Speaking speaking of changes, Auburn did make the change to go mostly out of the shotgun with Robbie Ashford on Saturday night. They I think they only ran quarterback sneaks on short yardage when they were and those worked behind Brandon Council those those were just the only time they went under center the whole game was was to go quarterback sneak with Robbie other than that they were in uh, in the shotgun or the pistol still struggling to get the run game going with anybody but Robbie oh man I mean I mean that that's that's where right I mean right that's that's one of the key problems for this offense you thought maybe moving to a more wide open offense with Robbie allow you know giving Robbie the ability to freestyle a little bit more would take some of the attention away from the run game and open things up for Tank and Jarquez that was not the case uh saturday night even though you know you, that that was that was maybe a hope of moving forward and i wonder where they go from here establishing a run with with uh, the backs other than uh running robbie ashford over and over again yeah that's that's good question good luck with that i was just, i was just looking looking back at the the second and goal play but when i did it i kept backing it up and i watched have you really looked closely at the 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 fumbled exchange that with Robbie Ashford on first and goal from the five. I have not looked at that play over. If John again, Samuel Schenker gets a block out there on the corner, Robbie holds on to the ball. I don't, oh, think, I don't think there's anybody else on the outside. Yeah. That's probably why folks say, you know, and Brian Harson doesn't show a lot of emotion, but the camera panned to him and and he just <laughs> sort of put his head in his 
in his hand. Because, like, yeah, that might have been a touchdown. But that's just sort of the way it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, with, with Auburn football. Hey, we're we're halfway through hour number one. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. Don't forget, speaking of John Samuel Schenker, he will be joining us an hour from now for Tiger Takes. Stick with us as we continue here on the Monday Drive. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews, taking your calls, questions, comments, anything on your mind sports-wise. Let's see, Auburn-Georgia, the CBS game this week. We know that Auburn Ole Miss now is an 11 o'clock kick next week in Oxford. And I will be at Ole Miss, but uh, Stoltz is covering Georgia for us. I'm going to be watching, like a lot of folks, from the sofa. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of folks that are going to go, gee, (laughs) who got the better end of that? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I want to talk about the Braves, though, seriously. I mean, they sweep the Mets at home, take control. Their magic number is one with three games left, right? right? All they need is a win or one Mets yeah. loss. So, and then it's set up now in the playoffs where they're going to get the Phillies shape. and Cardinals, and it's yep. the Mets and the Dodgers over on the other side, right? Right. The Padres, so, I mean, yeah, the Padre, the Padre, yeah, the yeah. Mets, the Mets have got the Padres and Dodgers yeah. to be concerned so, with. I mean, I, I love the position they're in now. The oh, they are. Playing, yeah. I mean, this this was yesterday was the one that that was the backbreaker because if the Mets just win one, if they yep. had been able to win one, they would have the tiebreaker yep. and it's even. Yep. But I mean that that did it basically did it, and it's funny because I'm seeing people talking about uh, the Mets folding and everything. The Mets have like the fourth or fifth best yeah. record in baseball. And not about them over the last couple of months. The Braves just have the best yep. record. The Braves are. Unbelievable! They're forty games over five hundred since wow, uh, that's incredible since June. To think about yeah. that. I've never, I've not been to the new park yet, but I really want to go there. It'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. Of course, the only time I go now is the playoff baseball, which would probably be really, really expensive. So uh, probably yeah. not happen. Yeah, so. they've got, a, they've got a, uh, a. This really has enhanced their chances of defending. Yeah. the uh, the championship. At the very least, you got to like them to be in the NLCS against a really, really good Dodgers team mm-hmm. too, right? I mean, that that would be. Is that who they played last year in the NLCS? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Be so, a great rematch. So the uh, yeah, there's a huge difference too with the expanded playoff format. There's a huge difference between the two seed and the four seed, which, Ooh, which is what the, the Mets and the Braves are up against. <laughs> Not only do you play an extra series uh, in a in a best of three, but like you guys said, you're in the Dodgers side of the bracket and you're playing a best of five, mm-hmm. uh, which for the Mets uh, they'd much rather be in a longer series than a best of five with the pitching they've got. Uh, and if they have to play the Dodgers in a best of five, you know they're they're, they're probably a little bit, right. especially after after having to use. DeGrom and Scherzer potentially in that best of three to advance past the Padres. Do they still have the one game playoff? No, so it's a best of three now. Okay. So, so it's going to be, okay. it'll, it'll be, uh, Cardinals, Phillies, and if, if the current, 
if the current right. uh, yeah, it would be hold. Cardinals, Phillies, and, and Padres, Mets, Mets, Padres, Mets, Mets, and Padres. The, the Mets yeah. and the Cardinals would host all three games. It would be a best of three. Yeah, you don't you don't go on the road. Okay, you, so you've got three. You get to host all three, and then the winner or, of those series play all three. So on the, road. The, the winner of Cardinals, Phillies would play the Braves in a best of five. The winner of Mets. Padres would play the Dodgers in a best of five. What's interesting about those series is that it's a normal, I think it's a two, uh, it, it's one, two at home, one, two, five. Uh, games one, two, and five are, are played at the, the team with, with home field advantage. Uh, there's no travel day between four and five. So you could potentially see a situation where, say, uh, uh, Philadelphia, well, use the other series, for example. Uh, the Mets could be hosting Game Four, and then the next day, Game, you go to LA. game Five could be in, in in Los Angeles. The right. same thing is true in the NLCS this year. This is because the season started a little bit late, and they wanted to get all the trying games trying to in. get everything squeezed so, back in. So if there's a Game Seven in the NLCS, it is back to back with Game Six, no matter Braves where Dodgers. the games are played. Right. If it's Braves Dodgers, Braves go into LA. Yeah, Game yeah. Six in Atlanta, Game Seven the next day wow. in in Los Angeles. Potentially, you could see that in in both playoff series, which could be. You know, so, something of a factor with the, uh, uh, or at least, or at least make things a little bit more interesting. I kind of like the, uh, the, I mean, I, I like the series being shorter. I like travel days, uh, but but I like the, uh, the you know the added intrigue of yeah, these teams are going to get on a plane well, and, and go play go play to settle uh, this thing tomorrow. October is my favorite month of the year because of playoff baseball and because we're hitting the stride of of, of college football and too. and basketball yeah, practice is getting, going on. Getting we're getting going. ready for yep. the start of the season. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that, that it is a fun and time. Of course the Plus the weather right. usually. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say yeah, exactly. the weather is usually. You're hoping it's as nice as it's been here for the last week. Yeah, or this so. is the best weather you get in this area of the country. I know the spring you get the same thing, but you get the allergies in the spring mm-hmm. for me at least. So right. this is this is to me is perfect. Yeah, so I mean it is a fun time. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the other football from over the weekend because there were some other interesting ball games starting in the SEC. Uh, was anybody really surprised that Mississippi State handled A and M with relative ease? I don't know that anybody I guess in this. I, I am a little surprised. Well, I, I I don't think. I have not. I have not believed in Texas A and M. I thought it was ridiculous for them to be a near top five team back in the preseason. They're better with Max Johnson, much better. But Jimbo Fisher's supposed to know something about quarterbacks. What does Haynes King have something on on Jimbo? <laughs> I mean, because Haynes King is not very good. When Max Johnson went out yeah. the other day, that was that was it for A and M. But but their defense is not. Is not that good? Yep. Mississippi State may be a little better than than some people have thought. Yeah. I, I think I had them at the bottom of the West. I don't think they'll finish at the bottom. A and M. I'm, I'm is, afraid we're watching the bottom of the West, or we we bottom of the East and West uh, last week. I think right. A and M. Well, they play like Vanderbilt, that. Yeah. Yeah. A and M. One of seven teams from the top twenty-five that dropped from the rankings. A lot of uh, a lot of shakeup between uh, fifteen and twenty-five because so many of those teams lost. LSU's back. In the uh, in, in the top twenty five after beating Auburn, Mississippi State jumps into the top twenty five where I think they should have been for a while. Yep, right. I mean that that's one of the twenty five best teams in college football. And when Will Rogers is on, the short list of teams that I would think can go into Starkville and and win against against that football team. We'll see if Auburn's on that list when they play Mississippi State next month. 
in Starkville, but the way the way that offense is cooking, and 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 uh, a guy, uh, a local guy that I've heard about for a little while. I mean, it, it's cool to see Ra Ra Thomas, uh, the Ufala uh, receiver, who, who's a uh, a cool story out of that school and a, a product of Ed, Ed Rigby, a former uh, former Ufala coach now at uh, Pike Road. Uh, Ra Ra Thomas is the uh, is the best receiver there at Mississippi State hmm. at a hundred plus. Another yards East Alabama a, uh, kid that doesn't go to Auburn but goes somewhere else is, has he, success. Yeah, he he was sensational, Shocking. sensational last year's first yeah. year on campus for uh, Mike Leach, Shocking. and he's taken big. Steps forward, and uh, and he is, uh, uh, he, yeah, he's he had I think one thirty five and a touchdown against uh, against A and M uh, for Mississippi State on, on Saturday. So he is a uh, yeah. They've big, got a big, bunch of big guys, big time players, bunch yeah. of big guys that that uh, play well. Uh, yeah, speaking of the rankings, Georgia, another reason for a little incentive for them this week. They're no longer number one. Georgia dropping uh, just just barely behind Alabama. Uh, so so the dogs the dogs have got plenty of motivation. Mm-mm-mm. For this weekend, for for Auburn going in, but yeah, Mississippi State very impressive in their win over Texas A and M. Ole Miss wasn't as impressive, but they did come away with a win because Kentucky shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Will mm-hmm. Levis uh, couldn't stop. Yeah, we the, talked. The, we the talked about Robbie. We talked there. Too, yeah. Well, yeah. we talked about. Well, we talked about Robbie Ashford yeah. putting the ball on the ground. Will Levis did the same yeah. thing. And it, sure, yeah, he wasn't helped by the offensive line. Yep. yep. Kentucky's and, offensive line, which has been so good the last few years. Is not. Yeah, it's not. And they, they lost a bunch of players, had to replace them, and this is what happens sometimes. Um, but Ole Miss looks like a really good football team, other than the quarterback who has abilities, just really inconsistent. Mm-hmm. If they had um, the quarterback from last year, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Matt Corral. Oh, yeah. I, I, they were, to me, look like a top 10 team. Their defense is better. I yeah. mean, their defense has been pretty good now for the last couple of years. And, I mean, and they, they may be the second best team in the West. Would not surprise me if that's how it ended up. I mean, I think they're better than LSU. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Yeah. It, may, it may come down Egg to bulk. that. Oh, that yeah. could be, yeah. Yeah. That'd be terrific. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit shaky through the air with the, with Jackson Dart, although he did come through in a couple of big moments yes, right. on he Saturday. Did. He can make some plays. But they're, they're, a, uh, they're a dangerous offense. And that, uh, is that, uh, speaking of uh, East Alabama, Pike Rhodes. Uh, no, I know. Oh, oh man. Quinshawn. Pike Rhodes, Quinshawn Judkins. Judkins. He is, he is a big-time player. Ah, just, really, just, really good. It's just amazing. I mean, Auburn could have had that kid, right? They just, just I mean, they got Demario Austin. That was and what, wait, back. what has he had? Three carries or something, something this year? Like that, yeah. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's not knock on Auburn, Demari. That all right? That's something that, that uh, I mentioned this to you a while ago, Brian. I, I'm surprised that that they're not playing more players. They didn't much last year. Yeah. Um, maybe that's something that, you know, Brian Harson has never played a lot of players. Maybe they didn't have a lot of players. And uh, Auburn, Auburn's got enough talent, I think, in some of the positions to be playing some of those guys and and uh, allowing the, the starters to be fresher at the end of ball games. Especially on the defensive front that takes such a toll on players, right? I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to establish depth, especially early in the season, so you have it later, and Auburn hasn't been able to do that. And I think that's that's – to me, a big warning sign, but it's, it's other positions, too, as you mentioned. You've seen younger players well, at receiver, right? Well, I mean, you see, I was going to say, one place where you yep. see a lot, you don't see them all targeted very much, but we're seeing a lot of different receivers on the field. So they should be fresh throughout the game. Yeah. Um, I, Maybe it's just up, a lot of times it's up to the position coach. It is. Who subs. It is. So. It is. 
Yeah, I, I thought the receiver usage was was um, was promising. Was uh, interesting Saturday. I mean, we Zavian saw Xavier Capers than, right? in on the first series. I know. That's right. Did we see Landon King at all? I don't, I don't think we saw Landon King. I don't King, think and Landon I, King and I don't know was how, on the field. I don't know how much. After, after Harson was asked mm-hmm. last week at the SEC big, teleconference big the, and said, yeah, he, he's going to be a big, big part. Bigger part of the game plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Oops. I mean, we, you know, may, maybe he was. But the uh, bigger bigger part than last week, but still, mm-hmm. not, still not enough to factor in uh, on the field. Uh, but the I think one of the problems with Landon King is that he plays the same position, at least at the moment, as Javaris Johnson. Johnson. And... and, and, and uh, Tavares Dawson, who right. we have not seen much of since we. No, now he right? got in. He got he in for a play that. early, and I think that was about it. But so. I understand. I understand if if you're playing the same position as Javarius Johnson, I understand why playing time is an issue because he should be on the field and come, learn another come, position. Yeah, maybe, maybe think. Yeah, maybe find a way if he's if he's indeed you know somebody. Who I'd, really I'd love to try to figure out how to get the best players on the field. Right, but the, if, you, if if some of your best players are at the same position, somebody needs to move. Maybe right. keep your most explosive and athletic tight end at tight end and and build them up and. You know, try to you know develop into an NFL tight end because he has that you know potential. Maybe, but I don't know. In in the case of the receivers who are getting on the field, though, you saw it, like you said, we saw Capers for the first time this year. We so saw Mari Kelly make a nice catch on, a, yeah. on another good job by Robbie oh. uh, of finding a guy. I downfield. mean, I know we hadn't seen a bunch of them, but Cameron Amar- Brown with a big Amari, touchdown catch. Amari and Camden look like players to yeah. me. Jay I mean, Fair, I, I, play, yeah. Jay Fair played a few plays. I mean. But didn't see as much Shedrick Jackson after the uh, after the first quarter. You no, know, I don't know if we saw he... him at all after yeah, the first I mean, quarter. His, his playing time has slowly sort of decreased as the season mm-hmm. gone on. Yeah, you, you wonder if he's giving way to younger players, possibly with uh, yeah. with some freshmen getting on yeah, the field. Yeah, well, and uh, Malcolm Johnson has been. I know he'd been banged up a little bit, but uh, did we see him? No, I, I don't believe Malcolm Johnson played on Saturday because uh-huh. we were. We were, I mean, that's that's where some of the that's where some of the playing time has opened up. So some of the veteran these, these receivers, yeah. you know, Mark has are, been banged up. He has, yeah. So but I some of the that. some of the veteran receivers are having a tough time staying um, ahead of the, of some of the youngsters. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, that's good for the youngsters. It's good yeah. to see them get get some opportunities. I think Camden and Omari, especially, are going to be really good players for Auburn. Javaris has shown his ability, and you know, we'll see. Got to get him guys. the ball more. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a couple of couple of big catches in the first half, and then I think only targeted once in the second half. Mm, yeah. Oh, and, J- and Jarquez, I mean, would be another player oh, we need to look at. He needs more touches. I mean, wh- whether it's figuring out a way to, I mean, I'm, I mean, there, there, you saw more tank and Jarquez on the field at the yeah. same time. See, I think the Jarquez thing is more. I mean, they got to figure out a way to run the football other than Robbie Ashford runs because not not only is it that that wear and tear is going to add up. On the quarterback, uh, you know, t- taking taking that kind of a pounding, but you still you still want to be able to utilize what you think are your best players on offense. And right now, it seems like Tank Bigsby and Jarquez are still in that in that classification as guys that Auburn needs to get the ball to. And I, I mean, how, how many? I, I don't know what the what the Caldwell tracker is, right? You know, the uh, the that's the number number of combined touches for Tank. Oh yeah, Tank, yeah. Jarquez and Javarius. It Johnson. was. Uh... <laughs> It was around. It was around twenty-five. No, yeah, under thirty. It's about it was under it's about, thirty. About a half of where, of right. where Caldwell says. You know, says this. This offense needs to be needs to be looking right now. Well, it's tough to feed the ball to your running backs uh, if if you're not if there aren't any running. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, I just, I think they need to run the ball better. I think they need to, but I mean, they can't. Heck, if if you go out and get. What did Auburn have? Almost 480 yards total offense. If they can do that in the SEC, that ought to be enough yards. 
You just got to you got to get some points out of it. Yeah, Four thirty-eight. Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's red zone and turnovers. Yes. More than, I mean, it between, really between the turnovers. 20s, between the twenties, offense wasn't a huge problem for no. Auburn. There were a couple of drives in the second half where where things were uh, th- things were harder to come by. Uh, but it's more it's more in the red zone and avoiding turnovers, which are and you know in the example, minus I think Auburn's minus nine. In turnovers this year, the Coy Moore play, I guess, would be an example of both of those things, right? Avoiding, yeah. avoiding you know, especially avoiding red zone turnovers in that situation. Speaking of the red zone, I thought one of the one of the sharper plays we've seen from Robbie all season was the touchdown to Camden Brown, right in in, in the back of the end zone, the red zone pass uh, off of off yeah. which which we capped off a uh, you know a promising looking drive for that uh, for for that Auburn. Yeah, offense. it looked like a busted coverage, but I mean, you know, Robbie has shown a pretty good ability when somebody is open down the field. Of not getting excited and overthrowing him by five yards, which we, you know, you see a lot of quarterbacks do that. He'll he'll usually put the ball up there and give his receiver a chance to catch it. It was a nice catch by Camden, but but yeah, a good throw, Rob Robbie. You're right. It's more it's more consistency and timing stuff, and, it's, and a it's lot the, of that the shorter the shorter things where it is timing where you need to lead them or get the ball to them, you know, when they're ready to, to have the ball. And and this is where it becomes apparent he wasn't the starting quarterback throughout the offseason. Mm-hmm. He didn't work with these wide receivers. And, in fact, it feels like, Brian, I'd like your thoughts on, you know, it feels like the offense, uh, very, you know, very, very recently, the plan was not shotgun 90% of the time with Robbie Ashford in the game at quarterback. Right? Like, I mean, right. th- th- that was not at any point really entertained as the primary goal for this team throughout this past offseason. So if it feels like they're winging it, if it feels like they're in the kitchen, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing, you know, what sticks and what doesn't, it's because they are, right? right. I mean, that, that's, what, I mean yeah. that's, that's what we're seeing because the plan, was, the plan was to be a power run game that was under center quite often <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. They are so far removed from being able to do that. You know, I mean, the, the, they cannot do that, and they need to incorporate more zone reads. I think the problem with that is Robbie's ball handling and his you know, uh, propensity to fumble the ball um, a lot. But they've, they've got to keep working on it because I, I don't see any other way that they can get tank um, the carries he needs to be effective and to have an um, uh, to be able to be a playmaker to be able to be the man you know in the fourth quarter unless they you know can open it up with zone reads and, and quarterback runs and and make uh, defenses account for Robbie more more often because it just doesn't work they can't line up and just run over people it just they just can't and and yeah you wonder why did they think they could I don't know I have no idea. Right. I think it's because that's what offense they want to run, and that's what they're going to run until it fails, and it, it's failed. Yeah. We'll get to our final break here of hour number one. Love for you to join us here on the Monday Drive. Hi, Jonathan here from University Ace Hardware. We are excited to introduce to you our helpful consultants. Now the same friendly, knowledgeable associates who you rely on in-store will come to you at your home or office. You can schedule Rex Ponder, our garden center manager who is a hometown expert on plants and landscaping to help you with your outdoor space. To schedule a consultation with Rex, give us a call or visit universityace.com. University Ace brings expert help to your place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive. Final couple of minutes of hour number one. Let's get right to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Matt is up first. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. What's going on in the second half? Is, is it exhaustion? Is, is, is it just not keeping any carbs from the, from the first half to the second half? Is, is it strength and conditioning? I mean, what's going on? I mean, is, is it coach? I mean, I don't know. What's going on? Uh, my opinion is that they just run out of uh, out of out of uh, ideas, right? They have their thing they're going to do in the first half. You know, the little we're going to change it up a little bit here and catch them off guard. The other team adjusts and it's over. Saturday was better. Auburn moved the ball yeah, better did. Saturday in the second half than they have all year, but they still haven't been able to get any points. So, so is it is it just like play calling? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna give all our plays, all of our all our cards in the first half, and then. See what happens in the second half? Well, I think, I think there are some things that Auburn does well. And they, they do those and other teams then adjust. And there aren't other things it appears they can go to. I guess that's what leads you to trying to run, you know, reverse passes like Auburn did down at the 10 yard line. Yeah, and, and when you can't run the ball consistently, that's right. It, that, that's just tough. It's just, you you, know. Then you have to try to reach right. in your bag and pull out something crazy. Yep. Yeah, I, I if you can't run the ball, I mean, we we, we kind of learned that to, to do short passes when we had um, I don't, yeah. I don't know who it was, it was either Stidham or Sean White that we couldn't run the ball very well. That well, we, that's that's we definitely not Robbie's, and, and, and that's probably the weakest part of Robbie Ashford's game is trying to do you know short accurate passes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I'm just thinking like, what could the the problems be? I mean, is is, is it like adjustments? Is it keeping your cards? I don't know. Um, I was very, very um, relieved to see uh, the offensive line play a lot better with Brandon Council playing center. Uh, do you guys think the uh, the passing offensive line, uh, pass blocking or the run blocking has, has been improved more with Brandon Council moving center? I think the run blocking has improved more because it was so bad before. Yeah, yeah it really was. Pass blocking has not been terrible. It, it really hasn't I, been. I, I, I think the edge pass blocking, especially. At uh, times. I'm sorry to say, Austin Troxell. Uh, yeah. he's a great person. I love him. He works hard. But he's had so many knee surgeries. Yes, I just don't just, think he can move laterally. He just really struggles against mm-hmm. those speed guys on the outside. Anders, I know it usually takes about a year to recover fully from the ACL, but do you think that may be it, or do you think he's just not rhythm, or what do you think it is? Yeah, I don't know, but it, it, he doesn't have the same. I mean, it, the ball just doesn't jump off. The, the foot when he kicks it and yeah. you know it looks like he's guiding it yeah. um you know I mean, he's a big dude it's hard for him he is. you have to be special to be able to, to move a big bite like that quickly and he just doesn't have that ability anymore in my opinion so. matt we're out of time here and uh as we're coming up on our top of the hour break you can uh i was gonna say you could you could give us a call back or hang on but we've got to step aside for our top of the hour break halfway done james hold on you'll be up when we come back for hour number two of the Monday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Monday Drive. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews, MarburnSports.com. Got Drew at the controls here for hour number two, as usual. And hour number two is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And, you know, Thursday I was I was concerned. I'd had the, uh, uh, the knee procedure, had it scoped. Turns out I found out when I went back Friday I had multiple tears. I had a lateral meniscus tear. I had a significant medial meniscus tear. Well, I'd had I'd had a uh, a knee arthroscopy on the on the other leg on the other knee about ten years ago, and I mean I I felt great immediately thereafter. I uh, did the Auburn Opelika game. Somebody wanted us to talk about Auburn Opelika. Well, I'll throw you way back into the day, back when I was doing it. Did I, did the Auburn Opelika game from Opelika from Bulldog Stadium that night, and there wasn't anything. Nothing bothered me, so I was concerned. You know, Thursday I was telling you guys, it's like, man, this thing. I, I'm not sure if it if if it's healing right. Well, I woke up Friday, on the day that I had the appointment with uh, with Doctor Wilson, and on Friday I woke up and all of a sudden it just felt better. And I thought, is this like taking the car to the shop? The car is not going to act up. With, no, right. it's much better. It is, it is much, much better. So two weeks ago today, and it feels so much better. So, yes, great folks there, uh, skilled, and uh, did, did a great job. And a big shout-out to the sponsor of Hour Number 2, and that is the Orthopedic Clinic. We welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And, of course, they also sponsor the podcast, which you can find however you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron uh, on your favorite podcasting platform or go to RadioAlabama.net, find the ESPN 1067 Podcast Center, listen to the show that way. And we've had some technical problems with the podcast over the last week or so. I believe we are working on it or it's been solved. Um, Drew says it should be up. All right. So, so that's uh, that's what... Uh, that's what we're that's what we're I'm trying still to trying to get last week's up, but this today should be good. Okay, right. that's good. That's so, that's great news. So from, we, yeah, from Drew, we're, we are we are working on it, and we are going to talk with John Samuel Schenker at the bottom of the hour. Tiger takes brought to you by the All Super Claw Group. But right now, let's get to the IKEA of Auburn Hotline because James has been hanging on for a while. Hey, James. Hey guys. Good good to hear from you, James. Hey, um, so I got some things for you today. Uh, first, I want to apologize to you and Dan. The other day, I didn't mean to come off kind of cross. Somebody said I, I came off come, kind of cross the other day on Wednesday when I was talking about the choir boy criminal thing. So uh, I'm sorry if I came off a little cross on no, that. I didn't mean to. No, no so. nothing comes to mind from from that. Yeah, but, I, but we appreciate it. And James, no, we, we you know we, we love we love keeping things I civil. We I don't understand. remember anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember this either. But it's uh, uh, no, you know we, we we absolutely appreciate you know that, uh, that that you're thinking about it. So you know, hey, uh, it's all it's all good, man. No, um, after on Wednesday, when I called in last Wednesday, I was coming back from a meeting I had, and I was listening to ESPNU on satellite radio, 
And I, don't, I didn't catch these two jokers' names on there, but they said they were talking about Brian Harson and the future at Auburn and all that. And they said, one of the guys says, I don't understand what's going on at Auburn. The other guy said, listen, I don't understand Auburn at all. Auburn needs to just get take a long look in the mirror uh, and accept you're going to be a loser now and a loser forever. And I said, huh. I didn't say anything, but I was like, you know, I was thinking a lot. I wish I could have called in because I sure would have told him something. But that just brings me to my point. I mean, why is the national media so afraid of what Auburn can do? I, I mean, when we're good, we're good. I think Jake Crane's the one that coined the term that Jordan Hare Stadium is the uh, the, uh, the pass at Thermopylae where the 300 Spartans died, you know. So when we're on, we're on. But I don't understand this fear from the national media about us getting good all of a sudden or all of a sudden, I mean, that, that's change. yeah, that, that's so. funny that the thought of all of a sudden when uh, when Auburn is is uh, still and uh, well within the top fifteen all time winning his college football teams. Yeah, and I think because of what's happened over the last couple of decades, uh, the national media has taken this um, the buyouts maybe that the BOT is out of control and, um, you know, it's a, a cluster or whatever at Auburn. They called um, what happened in February a, a, a potential mutiny or... or, or Lynching. Yeah. You know, they were But, potential. I mean, there was an actual university investigation going on, right? It wasn't just, um, you know, a bunch of boosters trying to get rid of Harson. I mean, maybe some of that became that at a point. Well, you know, you look at it now right. and, and you go, oh, I understand. You know, maybe uh, maybe yeah. some people understand what was going on. People from afar right. just looking at Brian Harson's overall record right. uh, might think, well, there's just no talent on that team. There's still more talent than Auburn is playing, and there there's no reason – uh, Auburn's the worst team in the country in the second half. Yeah, Statistically, the other they are. thing a lot of these pundits don't look at is um, the other part of a football program, and the most important part, which is recruiting. Okay, Auburn went one of 27 on official visitors in May and June. I mean, I just don't know how that's possible, but they did. Okay, They had 27 high school official visitors. They only got one committed right now. You know, Brian, I was I was wondering about this. Dan and I were talking about this the other day off the air. Auburn has used a lot of official visits. Yeah. You only get 56 in a year. <laughs> Auburn has used an awful lot, and I don't know how many are going to be left. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to look at that. That's a good, that's a good question. I'd have to look at that. But the other yeah. thing is, in a great year of in-state talent, Auburn has three of the top 30. To, to me, those two numbers are almost, I don't know, criminally negligent is not the correct term for it, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's I not mean, just the not, record on the field. It's not just bad. It's, that is just off. You, you, you have to look at the program and go, is it progressing? You, could, you can have, you know, Coach Dye was five and six his first year, uh, and, and after 18 games, he may have, he, you know, he may have been. 11 and 7 or something right. which isn't that much better than 9 and 9. But anybody but, that was around the but, program knew but what you, was happening. You knew the program was getting yes. better. Maybe from a distance you don't realize that, but when you look at the talent that will not be back next year and what it's going to right. be replaced with and combine that with some of the decisions that are being made yeah. during games, 
it's not getting better. No, I'm, I'm sorry to say when Brian Harrison leaves, and it'll probably be in the next week or two, he's leaving the program in worse shape than the one he inherited. I'm just sorry. That's, that's just the way I see it, and that's the way a lot of people that are close to the program see it, too. Maybe I haven't been consuming media from the same spots that James has been consuming media from. I don't think there's anything uniquely Auburn about this. Maybe, maybe from Auburn's rivals, Auburn is the laughing stock of college football right now, but we live in a point and laugh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, right. It's a point and laugh culture yeah. right now. So in college football, it's a lot of like, oh, well, that team's struggling, so let's all gather around and make fun of Nebraska right now, or let's all point and laugh at you know Wisconsin now because they fired their coach. And when Auburn, you know, like Brian said, you know, if, if Auburn's got to make a change in the next week or two, it'll be Auburn's turn for a little while, and then and then people, sure. people move on. And and it's I guess what I keep coming back to is. And Saturday night, Jordan Hare Stadium was nuclear, right? So, like, that's that's an example of it for people who were there. Even if it's even if you're not signing up to play for the current coach, it, at places that prioritize winning in college football, you're the right coach and the right quarterback away from being hyper relevant. Like at places that really want to win and have the facilities and the capabilities to win, you're the right coach and the right quarterback away. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, look at the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was on the uh, t- it was my turn today on the Max Roundtable on the Monday, and uh, just before I came on, I heard some comments about, oh, you know, it's going to be three or four years before Auburn can be relevant again. And I said, that's exactly what people were thinking when Josh Heupel got there. And it's like uh, Tennessee's never going to turn it around these days with the transfer portal. If you get the right quarterback and the right coach, yeah, you can turn things around pretty quickly. Where's Mississippi yeah. State? I mean, where, where were yeah, they? Where were right. they when Joe Moorhead left a couple of years ago? Right, like you think about what that program was and, and what it had become in the aftermath. Ole, of Ole Miss has gotten pretty good over the Ole last Miss couple of gotten, years. Ole Miss has gotten pretty good. So no, you're, you're the right coach. You don't want to get further behind though, while these other teams are starting to do that and showing that oh yeah, we're we're definitely heading in the right direction. You don't want to just you know stay put. Pretty good five and zero team in Westwood, California, right now after yep. beating Washington on Friday night with old Chip Kelly. He's got the right quarterback as well. No, I just think that's that's a, a reason why fans are less patient than before. But it's also a reason to hope if you don't like what you're seeing on the field. Remember, you're 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 the right coach and the right quarterback away from being firmly in the thick of things in major college football, no matter how bad things get at a place like Auburn. But if you're making, you're also another wrong decision in the coaching hire to really stumbling even farther down the ranks and making it much much harder to. A bounce back because I know I know every Auburn fan has seen 2008 to 2010 and 2011 2000 I mean 2012 to 2013 and thinks that Auburn is inherently going to bounce back but there is absolutely no guarantee it's happening again they have to make the right decision in in the coming weeks and months to have that happen back to the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline Yellowhammer is next hey Yellowhammer hey afternoon uh, well, a couple of days ago, maybe I called in and talked about how we should run the beer option, and I wasn't kidding. And so, uh, just to see if I knew what I was talking about, I went online and looked up, you know, the beer option. And here's some stuff that they say: the beer option is general, generally regarded as a triple option. It is designed as a three-back attack with one player taking the dive, one the pitch, and one being the blocker on the perimeter of the offense. Uh, and so. I've always thought attacking the corners was really a high percentage thing because most of the defense is out of the position to do anything about it. And the, so fir- the first thing, though, Yellowhammer, the first thing you've got to have is you better have a quarterback who is very 
good at protecting the ball. Handling he's the ball, he's yeah. got to be great at handling the ball. He's got to be able to make the handoffs without people noticing it, and he's got to be able to protect the ball. That's one thing. If Robbie could that, do that. that he would this, be great yeah, in that offense. Robbie right? would be great at oh. that, or the wishbone well, for that. that it, they, it, but if you've got a quarterback who turns it over, who drops the ball, that's not going to work. He's a drag. <laughs> but here's what they go on to say. The Veer offense is a great offense for teams with multiple running backs and a quarterback who can run. And it can be run out of multiple formations. And there's all these tutorials and stuff you can go on and how to learn how to really install it. But anyway, I really believe that would be uh, salvation for us if we ran the Veer, which I don't know if you can do that overnight. But Well, no, you've you, you got to have a coaching staff that understands it, can coach it, and then and then players that can operate it. I mean, yeah, you go and you look at the talent and you go, yeah, this is a kind of, it looks like Auburn has the kind of talent to be able to do that because remember the wishbone, Coach Dye used to talk about this. You didn't have to have the biggest or strongest guys. You're trying to outnumber them and right. uh, make the right read and get it. Right. So, I mean, those those things can work. That's why you see the academies, the service academies, running variations of that. They don't have the biggest Guys, the most athletic guys, they count on sleight of hand and numbers. Well, a lot of the offenses that you see that, that run the ball out of the shotgun are evolutions of that veer offense that mm-hmm. was popular at the service academies. Urban that's Meyer. RPO. Urban that's Meyer. That's, that. well, well, so many people are running stuff that was popularized by Urban Meyer in 2004 and in 2005, those, those early, that Utah team and those early mm-hmm. Florida teams. And that offense, Urban Meyer and Dan Moe will tell you that a lot of that was you take what Fisher DeBerry was doing at the Air Force Academy and you put it in the shotgun. And teams hadn't seen that very much and, and it was effective and, and now teams realize well, that's a, that's a way to utilize an, an, an athletic quarterback. I don't know about Auburn switching to the veer, uh, but I do think, I do think suiting the offense to what Robbie Ashford does well, uh, which they did a better job of Saturday they did. Than, than they had yeah. in, you know, in, in previous weeks when we saw Robbie, is, is a, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how much he improves. And I want to see more zone read, but I understand that that is an issue when you have a quarterback that does not right. handle the ball well, so they've just got to work on it. I don't know what else to do. We'll get one more call before our first break here of hour number two, and Marcus is next. Hey, Marcus. Hey, gentlemen. How are you? Pretty good. I look, and I don't think our talent level is where it needs to be. I don't think we're the worst team in the country looking at what we do in the second half. I mean, our talent level is not that bad. No. But our talent level is not where I think it should be. Oh, I agree. And obviously, Coach Harson is not – I don't know if it's because what happened to him last year is basically just waiting for him to get his $15 million. So he's not actively recruiting like he should be. And I know we're going to have another depth this year because our recruiting is not going to be where it's going to be, where it should be. With all that being said, and some of the things we have to struggle with, I'll fill with the – booster issues that we fight um you think a Hugh Freeze may be the best coach we can get to replace Coach Harson? and one other quick question regarding the kicking you know obviously Carson injured his knee last year the gentleman that came in and kicked for him last year did a great job why is he not taking over because to me he's a better kicker than Daniel Carson uh the, uh, Carson the walk-on transfer yeah I was gonna say the uh, kick they okay. yeah. What was his name? Uh, oh gosh, was it Ben? Was it was it Ben? Yeah, something? Patton. Ben, ben Patton. Ben Patton. He yeah. transferred. Auburn's Auburn yeah. still got uh, uh, McPherson uh, and and uh, Evan. Evan McGuire. Yeah. I mean, I watched both of those guys. And they were kicking fifty plus yarders yep. Yep. in pregame. Harson was asked about it today, and he sort of doubled down on Anders and said, "You know, he believes in Anders, and he believes Anders will make whatever adjustment he needs to this week and be ready to go." So we'll see. But I, I agree with I agree with you one hundred percent. I think Auburn. Needs to look at maybe having another guy try those longer field goals, 40-plus right now. I think Ben Patton's at Michigan State, by the way. There you go. 
Appreciate the call, Marcus. Um, I don't know. Um, do, you, do you think Hugh Freeze is the the best Auburn can do? Mm. I, 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 first of all, I don't think there's a, this is the best candidate I, I, out there. I period. haven't seen one that I go, oh, it's got to be this guy. I, I mean, also think. I, I see a few guys that I go, that's really interesting. I also am not convinced that we that the guy that's going to be hired is somebody we're talking about right now because Auburn's going to hire an AD, I think, fairly soon, maybe within the next couple of weeks. And that guy is going to be in charge of hiring the next head coach. In some respects, we know how things yeah, work. Yeah, I agree. I believe the next AD will be in charge of hiring the next head coach. I don't believe the next AD will be firing no, the current coach. I, no, I agree 100% on that. So, And I, and I don't necessarily think that AD is going to do like Alan Green did and just go out on his own to, you know, bring in some guy. I think there's going to be some he, – they're going to bring in somebody that's going to work with everybody and try to get everybody on the same page. I think it's going to be a priority of this entire um, group of, of board members and uh, administrators at Auburn to make sure this is done in, in a way that Auburn is uh, – at least appears to be on the same page when it comes to this next hire. Before, before we take the break, I'd like to know your, your thoughts on people who say Jeff Grimes is the ideal candidate potentially Maybe. if Auburn makes change. Maybe. I mean, he, I've, I've seen some people also say, and what proof do you have of that? Because he's never been a head coach. Uh, right. But I so mean, who knows? Who knew Ryan Day was going to end up right. being an elite coach? Who knew Dabo Swinney was going to be an elite coach? He was a running backs coach, right? Right. When he was elevated. And he, he nearly lost his job after three years, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, we knew Nick Saban was going to be, okay, sure. Uh, Kirby. Kirby was a defensive was coordinator. One of, one of uh, uh, what? 15 Saban assistants that have gotten a chance to be head coach somewhere, something like that, maybe 10 or 15, whatever it is. He's the only one that's really turned out to be, hey, actually, he is maybe the next Nick Saban type coach, right? Auburn nearly had him in 2013. They could have hired him. They, they chose Gus Malzahn instead. This is the way it goes sometimes. So I think any head coaching search is a shot in the dark at some point. And as far as Auburn's concerned, I, I just, I mean, I think you freeze as a candidate for sure. But I think there's going to be other candidates, and I think this thing is going to – I don't think it's going to be, boom, he's fired, boom, this is the guy. I, I think there's going to be a process. All right, we'll get to our first break of hour number two. Terry, hang on. You're up first when we come back here on the Monday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Let's get right to the phones because we've got a full bank and Terry gets us started. Hey, Terry. Hey, guys. Bill, I know you and I can remember this, but I don't know about Dan and Brian, but do you remember how bad recruiting was under Terry Bowden? Uh, they were recruiting oh. off, off lists yeah, back then. Taking a lot of Florida State cast-offs. They, they, I mean, they, they went strictly off, off lists. and Still and it was to get some good players. Though. Yeah. I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't go scout an awful lot of them either. Of course, Rodney so, Gardner was part of the staff. True. Bill Oliver true. was, you know, they, they could get some players. A lot like uh, Kevin Steele being able to recruit well, you know, with guys at, at times. And Brian, I always felt like he was trying to copy his father too much. Yes. Yep. Oh, I agree. Yep. Trying to find a Warwick Dunn and like Marquise Cooper, Demontre yeah, Carter, some of those guys. And so. of course, we remember his best two years, um, I guess 93 and 94, with Pat Dye players, the right. players that have just sort of paid the price the first two years. The, um, the Dillard Five, all those guys were awesome by the time, you know, they were 
um, you know, a little bit older, more mature in 93, 94. When, what was it, 20 something? 20, games? oh, yeah, 20 straight, went 21 yeah. and 1 first yeah. two years. Now, there is a, there's a guy in the SEC right now who's an assistant coach who won't be a head, well, not a candidate for the Auburn job, but he will be a head coach at a lower tier school, and I, I predict he'll be very successful eventually at a head coaching job at a major power school, and that's Kendall Bryles. Oh, Kendall's going to get an opportunity. You're right. It's probably going to start off at the smaller school before he moves up. Appreciate the call, Terry. 334-321-1390. And Brett is next. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. Um, Brett, you there? A wishbone and running a lot more read option. That's that's all well and good, but uh, you, you got to practice that. Yeah. And there's a yes. lot that goes on at the mesh point. I mean, even the year Nick Marshall's first year, if you remember, even in that Washington State game and the few games at the beginning, he was laying the ball on the ground a, a whole lot. And, in fact, in the LSU game that year, his uh, it was a fourth down call, he and Cameron Artis Payne didn't get the uh, connection there, and that pretty much opened the floodgates to LSU getting the big lead. Um, not, not only that, when you start talking about going to that, that's going to kill your uh, recruiting for wide receivers and offensive linemen because anybody who wants mm-hmm. to get to the league or even has aspirations of getting to the league knows that they're not going to be running the beer. No, I, yeah, I, right. I don't think it's – I mean, I, th- I think finding finding a way to utilize the quarterback yeah. in the run game more if you're going to have a quarterback like Robbie Ashford is a good idea. Making the full change to, like, a service academy option attack is not is not the answer. In, well, I mean, that might, might, my thought on that, Dan, is hire somebody who who knows offense, number one, but number two, has a, enough name recognition that can get a few guys in the portal this year and hire an offensive line coach yeah. who actually recruits offensive linemen. I mean, one and two every year and then throw in five every four years, it ain't going to get it. I, man, I agree 100%. I, I think part of uh, this hiring process needs to be, okay, this head coach, he's going to come in here and recruit, and he's also going to bring in this guy to be his offensive line coach. That's got to be a part of it because that, that position, more than any position in Auburn, has been completely mismanaged over the last six or seven years. Completely, totally, uh, uh, what's the word I can say without cussing? Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm botched. saying, right? You go Just, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out another name that's out, out of the – like I don't even know if this guy's going to be part of the process, but Brian Hartline, Ohio State. He's just the wide. His receiver brother is coach. here as as here an analyst, of analyst, right? Yeah. But people are talking about him among coaching circles as a really bright mind, a guy who's going to be a great head coach one day. I mean, maybe that's the guy to take a chance on. I don't know. There's no, there's no guy the out Ohio- there that the, you're going to say is going to be perfect. Who's the Ohio State guy with ties to ties to Auburn? Uh, he, he used to coach here. He, he was or he's, his his dad was Dennis. Um, oh, he's Steve Dennis' son. Yeah, he's 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 involved at Ohio State. He's the quarterbacks coach he's the quarterback at Ohio coach, State yeah. now. Oh, Corey Dennis. Yeah. yeah, Corey Dennis. Yeah, yeah. There's another one. So yeah, so I mean, so there are connections there. Auburn connections there, obviously, on that staff. So you could learn about this person. You, you can know a lot about him before who's, you brought him in for the quarterback that picked Ohio State. Auburn was recruiting him. This, this all came up when, when mm-hmm. Auburn when, when that kid whose middle name is Auburn or when his first name's Auburn. Yeah, Brock Glenn. Right? Yeah, Brock yeah. Glenn. This, this all yeah. came up during right. Brock Glenn recruitment. Yeah. All right, we'll get one more before we get to the bottom of the hour. Breaking Susan is next. Hey, Susan. Hey, how are you? All right. Why don't we get Kirby in 16? Wow, how different it would be. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, 
So what's our AD look like? Are we going to go after the big money? We've got to get it out there. We've got to get some good coaches. We cannot go through this anymore. We've got brief. I mean, we are, this is an Auburn, and this has got to end. Those poor kids are out there playing their heart out there. And my heart just broke for Robbie Ashbrook. He just walked off the field like, oh, my God, not another. It's just, it's not a good fit. When are we going to end the agony and I'll get off the phone? Hoping for a great, you know, Lane, Dion, Urban, I don't know. But, gosh, to think we could have gotten Kirby in 16, life would have been different. I really appreciate it, guys, and I'm looking forward to knowing your, you guys when I was AD. And let's get this this agony over. Let's just stop it. Yeah, Thank it, you. It was 13 for uh, when they made the decision uh, yeah, to pick 13. us over um, Kirby. So, Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that I have somebody that I just go, that's got to be the AD. I just know the AD's got to be somebody that understands, you know, what Auburn needs right. and be able to go out and, and get the guy. The number one thing the AD has to do when he gets hired, obviously he's probably going to be hiring a new coach, but he's also got to bring the power brokers together and Mm -hmm. get them on the same page. That is so important for that next AD. All right, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break because when we come back, it's Tiger Takes. John Samuel Schenker joins us. Stick with us here on the Monday Drive. Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com. And it's time now for our weekly Tiger Take segment brought to you by Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at AlsoLaw.com. And once again today, very pleased to be joined by Auburn uh, University Tight end, team captain, John Samuel Schinker. John Samuel, thanks for being with us. How are you doing, man? Yes, sir. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. I mean, a wow. I mean, Saturday, the uh, a great, great atmosphere, great crowd. I, I felt, uh, and and then a, a great ball game. It's it's tough when you come up short, though. Yeah, uh, we started off really well. Um, you know, we were really clicking early on, executing very well, and then um, it just, you know, it tapered off, and that, that's been our struggle. That's what we have to really focus on this week um, and the weeks to come is being able to finish football games, especially in the second half on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so that will be a big focus for us this week. Fast start, like you mentioned, the, the, the passing offense. I mean, yet there, there were more total yards, I think, in the first quarter and a half against LSU than, than the offense gained in the entire game against Missouri a week earlier. Robbie Ashford, you had several uh, long 20-plus uh, or, or longer uh, passing plays in the first half, including I think you had one of them, uh, John Samuel. But there were uh, some explosive plays there. What did you see from Robbie uh, in his second career start uh, with the offense maybe a little bit more open and, and suited to, to his talents? Yeah, a lot of growth in week two for Robbie, which was awesome to see. Uh, we knew we had to pass the ball to win the game um, because of what Missouri did low in the box. 
Uh, so we knew we had to open that up to really get our offense going. And I thought Robbie did a great job, um, especially in his second start. Uh, this is a lot for a guy who hasn't had as much playing time until now um, to really comprehend and take control of. But he did a great job. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to work. But it was very promising uh, to see what Robbie can do. He's very talented, um, ultra-competitive guy. So, um, excited to see how he continues to grow week in, week out. Uh, now, it's it's not the not the same story because it's a guy that has had a lot of experience, but not at that position. Some changes had to be made there on the offensive line with uh, Tate going down with the uh, with the injury. Brandon Council moving in at center and uh, looked like he did a pretty good job, and and uh, he 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 gives you a, a much bigger physical presence there inside. Yeah. Um... You know, we hated that Tate, Tate was out. Um, you never want to see that happen. Uh, but, yeah, I thought Council did a great job. I knew when when he got put in the center role that he'd do great. Just knowing our offensive line and the schemes and being able to ID the fronts and everything, he's done a great job with that. A veteran guy, so um, we were very comfortable with him all week. Um, he's done a great job. He, continued, he would continue to do that. Yeah, with, with the uh, with a quarterback like Robbie Ashford in the game, you know, th- there's the I guess there's the chance that that things are going to break down into a scramble, or or he's going to uh, he's going to be forced to, to freestyle a little bit and, and keep the play going. You know, what are what are you thinking uh, in the in the moment when you know it's it's a third and long or something, and, and Robbie Robbie starts his scramble? Are you just trying to find an open spot on the field? Is is that the goal of, of a lot of the uh, the the eligible receivers in that situation? Yeah, you try to fill the void uh, in the defense. Once you scramble, and everything breaks down. You once you scramble, once you start running the way that Robbie's scrambling to, uh, there's only voids there in the defense um, when things break down. And you just try to find a little that little pocket there, uh, a little window for him to throw it to you. And yeah, I mean you're gonna have to make plays like that in the game because uh, it's gonna break down at some point. So um, those are very big plays. Normally those end up being really big games, um, scramble plays, guys get out of position and things like that. So they can be very big plays for you. And um, I thought we did a good job of that on Saturday. Yeah, it seemed like a couple times on Saturday a, a safety or a defender would come up to stop Robbie Ashford from gaining positive yardage on the run. I think on the touchdown to VAR, you had a safety come up thinking Robbie Ashford was going to keep it because it was third and eight, and that allows Javarius Johnson to slip behind everybody and, uh, and and make a little bit something extra there after he caught the ball, too, John Samuel. But great, great to see VAR uh, get in the owns. And first, uh, first touchdown for an Auburn receiver uh, this year, and it was a, a, a pretty cool one to see, uh, to see VAR uh, go over the top. Yeah, that was uh, a big play. It really set the tone early. But, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's what you want when you have a scramble drill is, you know, you want a guy to go high to try and get past everybody, and then you have guys underneath. Um, and, yeah, I think when you have Robbie and they know a guy that can run the ball, they're going to be more hesitant to stay back. They're probably going to charge him and try to stop him from getting the first down. So it's it's really a lose-lose for the defense in that situation uh, either way because if you, if you lock on to the receiver, then Robbie's going to run the ball. Um, so that could be very um, a very good thing for the offense. Second touchdown, also to a receiver. The second uh, second one going to to freshman Camden Brown, and we you know we've heard an awful lot about him through the uh, through fall camp and and early on uh, getting an opportunity to catch his first touchdown and uh, made a nice catch on what it looked like a busted uh, defensive assignment. 
Yeah, we've run that play um, a lot throughout the weeks, and that's that's really what you're trying to do is expose the defense um, and their coverage. Um, that's how the play is drawn up. So if that play hits, it's normally wide open anyways, um, just how the route design and everything like that. But, yeah, I was excited for Camden. Uh, I was worried he was going to have a penalty there on the spike of the ball, but uh, <laughs> he was really excited, which he should be. Um, he his first ever touchdown. So, yeah, we were excited for that. Um also another big part in the first quarter, and hopefully we can build off of that. Well, and that, and that was a play that seemed to be set up because LSU's defense was still trying to gather their bearings after the 61-yard completion to Jarquez, right. which was the play before uh, the, the Camden-Brown touchdown. And Jarquez Hunter, I mean, you saw it a little bit last year too, but he's he's got some explosion, uh, and, and it, it comes through when, when he's got some daylight and the ability to, uh, to, to stretch a play out. And you saw that when he was, uh, when he was able to go for 61 uh, late in the uh, – late, late or early in the second quarter. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, you know, I, I knew that last year, just how talented he was. Um, but, yeah, just blocking for that guy. You you want to stay on your block as long as possible because there's no telling how long he's going to be running for on every play, just breaking tackles and things. Just runs really hard. Um, just a great team player, too. Uh, really excited to have him on our side of the ball. Boy, um uh, some some tough news today when when Coach Harson announced that that Eku uh, most likely out for the season. Saw him go down there early on. Uh, uh, I mean, that's that's a big loss because he and Derek create so much pressure from the outside. I thought that Marcus Bragg played pretty well, but but it's 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 going to be tough filling the shoes that uh, that Echo leaves. Yeah, uh, really hate that uh, for him. Um, as a player and just what it means to this team. Um, just a, a tough loss there on the edge. Um, cause that's, that's a great combo. Him and Derek Hall on the edge. That's, that's pretty good. Um, pretty good combo there. So you hate that form. Um, we really do. And, you know, obviously wish him a speedy recovery. Um, as fast as, as fast as he can get back. Wanted to uh, to get your thoughts. I, I asked Coach Harson today. One of the things that has been, uh, I know it's very frustrating for all of you guys, is um, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. In five games, the opposition has scored in the last two minutes, and four of those has been in the last minute of the first half. That's got to be tough heading to the halftime with the other team you know, feeling a little bit better, regardless of whether they're ahead or not, making a little closer, scoring there just for the half. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's where if you, you know, good football teams win the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. And that's a lot of momentum swing right there. You carry yourself in the locker room with momentum. And when you come out, if you're executing, you're, you're giving yourself momentum for the second half. So, um, yeah, that's a, that is a huge huge couple of minutes there uh, in the in the game that you want to be able to control um, and obviously that has not been something we've controlled um, the past few games and um, obviously something that we need to make sure that we do moving forward. Uh, John Samuel, we're talking with John Samuel Schenker, Auburn captain as part of the uh, Tiger Takes segment we do every Monday brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group here on The Drive. I'd be interested to know after after a week or a, after a game where maybe the returns in the red zone aren't uh, what what uh, the team and the coaches expect, how is that emphasized in practice during the week? How do you sort of is it maybe new plays are introduced or you know there's there's just there's just extra extra emphasis on it? I'd, I'd be interested to know how how you sort of respond if if 
trying to score in the red zone is more of a focus than, than, than it had been before. Yeah, so you emphasize it a lot in meetings. So when you're sitting down with your position coach and even the offensive coordinator or even the head coach, um, they, they will bring that up um, as a priority for the week. Um, we'll start that tomorrow. And so w- once you do that and you carry it onto the field, once we get into those situations, um, the intensity ramps up. We we really lock in on what we're doing, and that's how you grow in those areas is you really, really focus in on that throughout the week. All areas of the game are important, but when you're having something that you're struggling with, you really emphasize it and make sure that Talking with John Samuel Schenker, Auburn captain here on the uh, Monday edition of the drive. Yeah, John Samuel, it's, it's always uh, it, it's always a big week when, when Auburn Auburn goes to Athens or, or vice versa. You're one of many uh, Georgia natives on the team, and and yeah, just uh, is it is it your responsibility as one of the guys from Georgia uh, to to make uh, to make sure uh, some of the younger players in the locker room understand how important Auburn Georgia week is. Yeah, well, I think a lot of guys understand it because, um, you know, when you're getting recruited, that's what you're recruited to, right? You're recruited to play, and you're told that these are the games that you come to play for, and now it's here for most of the guys that maybe have never played in this game. So, yeah, but this is, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of motivation for this one on either side. Um, it's one of the oldest rivalries in the Deep South, so um, just an awesome opportunity every year to get to play Georgia and Obviously, they're a great football team this year, as they were last year as well. So, um, great challenge. Um, obviously, um, we need to play better, and that starts tomorrow with our preparation. Um, and that's that's where the focus is, is in our preparation right now. Yeah, Georgia, obviously, the defending national champs. And they've uh, they've scuffled a little bit over the last couple of ball games, But uh, they're, they're, you know they'll be motivated with, uh, with Auburn coming in and them dropping out of the number one spot. But when you look... At them, um, I mean, they they had so many players that went so high in the draft a year ago. They still have a, a ton of talent coming back on the defensive side of the ball. They do, and that's you know, a testament to Coach Smart bringing in guys. He he wanted to create an elite defense, um, and he's done that year in and year out now, and this year's no different. The guys are elite. They may be a little bit younger, but um, they really haven't skipped a beat. Um, they're very disciplined, well-coached. Um, they play hard or physical, uh, what you expect with a, with a team that's as highly ranked as they are. So, uh, what an awesome opportunity we have, um, this weekend. John Samuel wanted to, uh, wanted to, we always hear about, uh, the, the, you know, the, the rivalry and players who have, who have known each other for a while on each side of, of this rivalry getting to, uh, getting going. Is there anybody on the Georgia roster, uh, that you're, you're familiar with from, uh, from, from before college football, anybody you've known, you know, throughout, you know, being a being a Georgia native, or is that is that something that's maybe maybe gone by the wayside with with your time in college football? Yeah, no, I haven't really. Um, I don't have any super close relationships with any of those guys. Um, I know some of the guys just from high school, but never really had relationships with any of them. Um, I have in the past, but those guys have gone on now. So, um, but you know, typically, yeah, at least in the SEC, I. There's normally at least one guy on a team that I know or I've played against, so um, that's always cool to be able to do that at the next level. So, um, but I, I don't have any this week. Got to uh, get your thoughts. I know you're a Braves fan, and and uh, <laughs> yeah. a very impressive weekend for the Braves as they all but wrap up the National League East, sweeping the Mets. 
Yeah, they, I was watching it Friday night, uh, watching them win game one. Um, very excited. Yeah, they really turned it on this weekend, swept the Met. So um, that'd be awesome if they could win it again. I'm not sure how many years in a row that is, but they're they're starting to stack them up pretty good now, uh, which is awesome to see. And uh, Atlanta's going to be fun here in October. Yeah, it's, and it's even more incredible when you think about the World Series champion uh, having maybe maybe the three best rookies in the National League, three of the four or five best rookies in the National League as as, par, as key parts oh, yeah. of the lineup while defending a World Series champion. John, John Samuel, one more thing before we wanted to get you, before we let, wanted to let you go. Uh, we we mentioned this at the very beginning of the segment. I was struck by how. Uh, how electric the atmosphere was at Jordan-Hare Stadium when that game kicked off uh, Saturday night. Felt like a big Saturday night uh, home game for, for, for the Auburn Tigers. Did that, did that really come through on the field? Could you, uh, could you feel the, uh, the, the same sort of atmosphere that we were talking about? Yeah, I really did. Um, and I know everyone's excited. It was a night game, and anytime the LSU comes to Auburn, that's always an exciting game. I think everyone understood that, and striping the stadium, just create an awesome environment, which I thought it was. And uh, testament to our fans uh, for coming out. It was really an awesome environment to play in. John Samuel, really appreciate you uh, spending a little time with us. Before we let you go, let everybody know how they can follow you. Keep up with everything. Yes, they can follow me on Twitter Instagram. Uh, it's at JS Shanker. Um, so feel free uh, to contact me through that. All right. Uh, th- once again, thanks again for joining us. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you, guys. John Samuel Schenker joining us as he does Monday's Tiger Takes, proudly presented by Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. Uh, we thank Alsobrook also, uh, Law Group for their support of Tiger Takes here on the drive. Always a pleasure to talk to John Samuel. Oh, yeah. Even even after a, a, a disappointing Man, it's defeat. You know, it's tough sometimes. Yeah, cre- credit to that guy. And not just with us. Right? I mean, he'll, he'll stand up in front of the media after games mm-hmm. and, and represent his team and, and answer questions. So, yeah, n- nothing but respect for, for John Samuel Schenker and the way he uh, represents the university. Need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Monday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final few minutes here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews. And Brian, while we've got a couple of minutes, let everybody know. I mean, everything they can find there at uh, auburnsports.com. A lot, lot going on. I mean, with uh, I just uh, got a little, a little note from Butch Thompson about baseball practice and, and yeah. uh, you know, the, the things going on this week with baseball. You got basketball. Uh, continuing to practice, and of yep. course, we're mid mid season here in football. I mean, just tons of things going yep. on. Yep, and of course, we got a lot of recruiting updates from the from the kids that were um, uh, at the game over the weekend. They had a pretty good uh, turnout for that, and we'll get together for our rundown tomorrow. Our podcast. I got my Monday musings I put up uh, this week, uh, talking about a little football, volleyball, fourteen and zero. And then, of course, as we opened, uh, little Fleetwood back to. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like a homer when I say this, and I try, I actively try to avoid this. But if you were visiting Auburn 
thinking about playing football there on, on and, and you were in that stadium on Saturday night. I understand what what you saw on the field would give you some pause, or you'd you'd want to know about the, right. the direction. I don't, of things. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, so, I don't know that that would be that that big a deal. No. I mean, the atmosphere, the the environment, everything was. That, was that's, no, that that's what I mean. Is yeah. is that is that I I think that it, it made a very. Despite the loss, I think there was a very compelling argument that this is a place where you'd want to come play college football, and a lot of that had to do with with the with the presentation and, and the way uh, Jordan Hare Stadium and the fans really really turned out uh, for that game, even if it uh, ultimately didn't go Auburn's way. No question. I mean, under normal circumstances, Auburn really sells itself. A great game day atmosphere and getting recruits on campus is the first and biggest step you need to take in recruiting. It just for whatever reason, has not materialized uh, this past year and, and as far as results. And that's why, like we were saying earlier in the show, like when people say, "Oh, well, you're you're four or five years away," it's like you're you're the right coach and the right quarterback away. Yeah. And maybe it takes you got the you... transfer portal. They're going to be players. The right offensive tackles right. and offensive guards and center away. And it, but it might and it might take you it might take you a year. Or the right offensive the, scheme. The, yeah, yeah. For you know, you've got to. That's something else we haven't talked about it enough. And we've had people going, "Well, Auburn ought to try this, try that." That's something that coaches are going to have to do is build around what they have then you can adjust hopefully to get if that's not exactly what you want to do long term you still have to best utilize what you have and you did see like we were saying earlier you did see auburn go away from definitely making an attempt yeah robbie ashford wasn't under center nearly as much there were more receivers on the field consistently throughout the game you saw auburn open things up from what you saw the first couple of weeks but there are still some some things that need to be ironed out before this offense uh can uh, uh can can reach its full potential and in the meantime you got some pretty good teams on the schedule these next couple of weeks uh, yeah. looking to uh, look, looking to to keep their seasons going too two unbeaten teams yep. the next two weeks uh, on the road yeah it's going to be tough and you know you're without Ekeliota um the uh, thing was that Calzada was confirmed by Harson today finally he will have that surgery this week uh, so it's you know quarterback wise, I think it's down to um, Robbie and Holden for now. I don't think that um, Trey, Trey Lindsey's on be back and Trey Lindsey. Yes. Trey Lindsey's on scholarship right, yeah. now. That was that, that was, was another thing. AuburnSports.com. Yep. You, you want to be a member? Appreciate it, Brian. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we are out of time here on the Monday edition of the Drive. We're back tomorrow though at four. So join us in. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.